0: Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from him today. So please enjoy. All right. So today we get to continue a series called Embracing the Cross. I want to welcome you. I want to thank you. Uh, for putting aside some time to come into the house of the Lord because it is truly a blessing to be here in the fellowship of believers and the people around you are here to strengthen you and, and they're to come alongside of you and reveal to you what it is to really walk in, in the Lord. And so thank you so much for coming. So welcome. Welcome. If you haven't been here before, uh, this is refuge, and this is the house of the Lord. Uh, This is where we experience his presence and fellowship, and we go outside these walls and begin to share it to those in the community and all those that we get to walk and talk with. So thank you for those that are joining online. We love you and bless you, and we acknowledge you, and uh, we just pray that the presence and the Holy Spirit of God is, is within your room, car, kitchen, wherever you're at, in the name of Jesus. So current series. We are in a series called Embracing the Cross. This is the, I'm on a fourth week of Embracing the Cross. The first couple of weeks, Pastor Matt started out with uh, the cost of the cross, or he explained the cost of the cross, and, and what it really was actually to embrace the cross. And then Pastor Tim followed up uh, with a message called The Crucified Life in Embracing the Cross and what it looks like uh, to live that crucified life and deny ourselves so that Christ can live through us. Um, and then last week we had baptism, and it talked about um, what it looks like for us to connect with God, right? To, to be in his likeness and his image and and, the, and the really the best of who God is in our life. And so we really got to see some washing, right? We got to see some awesome baptisms, some people come up and just declare who, who the Lord is in their life and really what he's brought them out of. And sometimes we have to remember where we came from to acknowledge where we are because the enemy likes to tell us where we are isn't good enough. And God's continuing to do a work in our lives, okay? He's, he's continuing to do a work in our lives and we cannot take our eyes off of him, because he wants to continue to refine us. There's multiple scriptures that talk about the potter and the clay, and the Lord, and this is the picture in my mind, this is what the Lord gives me. It gives me a man sitting down at a potter's wheel, old time, right? He's got the pedals. He starts wheeling that pedal, and he's got this piece of clay. He takes this dry, crusty lump of clay, that's you and me. He takes this dry, lumpy crust of clay, and he puts it on this wheel, a big old clump, and he goes, bam! I'm choosing you. I'm choosing this one. And he begins to work that dry clump of clay. And it doesn't work good dry. So he throws a little bit of water on it. And that waters the Holy Spirit and begins to reveal to you things. And then he can begin to work you. And he starts wheeling with his legs, right? He keeps working on you. And he begins to shape and design who you are. And he begins to turn you into a vessel that can hold water. And so that way when he, he, he gets those dry and crusty lumps, right? When you, when you work a piece of clay, if you've ever done it before, I really haven't. So this is all by revelation. But when you work a piece of clay, (laughs) when you work a piece of clay and you're working on a potter's wheel, you get the outside wet and you begin to work the outside and it spins and that water begins to work its way into the clay. And every now and then you get onto another dry, crusty lump of clay that reveals a weak spot in that vessel that he's trying to create. And what happens is, is that those clumps of dry, crusty lumps are revealed in our walk with Christ. It's a process and he begins to take us and throw more water on us and begins to mold those out and it doesn't feel good. And some of us are in the room today. Some of us are at home today and God is truly trying to work a lump out of your life and you have to begin to surrender to him because it is not your life that you're trying to live but it is the potter's life that is going to be put into you and he's going to design and shape that lump out and it's going to become wet. It's going to become porous. It's going to be something that can hold water and the weakness will be driven out because you have surrendered to that potter. The pot does not say to the potter. That's not really what I had in mind. Could you just leave that spot? Actually, that really hurts. Can we just not go there? I just, I don't really want to forgive them yet. I really actually kind of like that crack. It's my identity. Get rid of those cracks today. Because he's called us to be a perfect pot. A perfect vessel. No cracks. Right? He's working us. He's shaping us. That's what he's called us to be. Because when, it, when it's done... He's going to take the Holy Spirit water that he threw on you to revive you, shape you, and mold you, and he's going to fill you. And he's going to fill you to the point at which you run over. And then he's going to use everything that's running out of you to shape the next one. And that's the beauty of surrendering to God. Because he has purpose for your life. I know some of us, there are seven days in the week. Sunday, a lot of times, is our best day. And Monday, Tuesday come, we begin to question our existence as a pot. Like cracks start showing up, people start pointing out our deficiencies and everywhere that we're not good enough. And we quit embracing what God has called us to be. So I just want to encourage you this morning to embrace what God has called you to be and and is working in you. And those lumps, those dry, cracked spots will turn into a powerful, strong pot that will hold the water and overflow. So, hallelujah. Embracing the cross. Let's, come on, that was a good word. I'm receiving that one. I'm gonna take that one home with me. God's working some lumps out of this one, right? Hallelujah. Embracing the cross. It signifies the denial of yourself. We have to surrender as the pot, right? So it signifies the denial of yourself. When we embrace the cross, the cross represents... A death, a crucifixion. And the denial of ourselves says, I lay my life down as Jesus laid his life down. Because I can't live in him without denying who I am. And some of us, that's kind of a difficult concept to receive. Because Everything that you do, everything that you've come from has become your identity, has become something that you have put value into. And embracing the cross says, I'm not who I was, but now I am who Jesus is. And we're going to kind of get into this today and hopefully reveal a little bit more of it because really it is dying to yourself the death that Christ laid on the cross so that we can live in him. And the life is found in resurrection. That's where we're going today. See, if Christ would have just died on the cross and that was it, our our sin would be paid for, yes, but we would still experience death because there was no life to hang on to. See, the sacrifice of the lambs and the sheep and the goats, that was a sacrifice that, that the blood was good for a year because um, that was pure blood, and it, it was put on the mercy seat to claim uh, forgiveness of the sins of the people, uh, but that, that lamb, that sheep, died. That was it. The, literally, the blood ran out of power right away, but God honored the sacrifice for about a year. But see, the thing with Jesus is, is the blood that he placed on the mercy seat was his blood, and it's alive. That means that the power to cover our sins never leaves. It's never removed. It will always remain. And we have the ability to live in that life. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, verse 14 through 17. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. There from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all things are, or new things have come. Okay. How many of you know that you can't drive your old car while you're driving your new car? If you're driving your old car, your new car is sitting in the garage. Right? If you're driving your new car, hopefully you just took the old car to the salvage yard. (laughs) Because that's what God's asking us to do. Done. It's not accessible. Old you no longer exists. Why? Because he took it on the cross. He took and bore your image on the cross. Done. Done. It's not in the garage. It's not accessible to you. The only access you have is a new life in Christ Jesus. Junk the old car. Some of us are like, man, oh, I love Jesus. I want Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that with me. And you know what? We grab that cross. We grab that life in Christ. We take it with us, and we're just dragging our old self along with it. That way when we get into hard spots and Jesus seems difficult, we put him aside and just sit and wallow in our old identity. He's calling us to die to that, right? He says no one is regarded as the flesh any longer, not even Jesus, because he overcame that. Jesus came in the flesh to die on the cross and pay for our sins. It said it right there in that scripture that we don't even regard Christ in the flesh because we regard him in the resurrection. That means that when I speak Jesus Christ, there is power of life. There is power over everything you are dealing with, over every old thing that's trying to come up over every piece of that old car that seems to show up at some un, who knows, uh, unopportune time. me find an old air freshener. <laughs> What's that doing here? We need to live that new life in him. So we're gonna look at the resurrection today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice on that cross. That it wasn't just the death that you died, but the resurrection, the life that you lived. That we would be made whole and complete, not only forgiven, but living eternally in your kingdom. Lord, we receive your word today. And I I just receive life for everyone in this room today in Jesus' name. I come against everything that the enemy is trying to put up. I come against, Father, Lord, every battle that everyone is is, um, fighting right now in Jesus' name. And we declare victory over them because this is your victory on the cross Father Lord that we stand in nothing that our, on our own initiative but everything that you're doing. I pray Lord that your Holy Spirit would minister to every person every heart, every mind, everyone online in the name of Jesus right now Lord I pray that your presence Father Lord would just settle in this place Lord and that we would be changed our hearts would be changed for you Lord. That you would be glorified in everything that you do glorified Lord, anoint my tongue and my lips to speak the words that you have to speak and nothing else, and write it on the tablet of all hearts, Lord, that we would leave this place not the same as we were when we came in. We declare the power of the resurrected life of Jesus Christ in every heart, every mind, soul, and body in this room and online in the name of Jesus, Lord, and we declare a new life in Jesus. And they all said, Amen. Hallelujah well we gotta get going because this is gonna be good Uh, embracing the cross embracing the cross right so there was a sacrifice that Jesus had to give to embrace the cross it's not easy to die when you're not 100% sure if you're gonna live a lot of us in this room today wouldn't lay our life down for someone else because of the lack of understanding or guarantee that it's gonna come back to us. Jesus had to count the cost. Jesus had to count the cost of what was going to happen when he went on that cross. He couldn't look at the cross and say, I don't know if it's worth it. Is the journey that I'm about to go on worth the reward that I'm going to get? And I'm here to tell you today that if it was just you that he saw when he looked at that cross, he would have done it. Because that's the love of God that compels him. It was worth it to him. A couple weeks ago, I was in Utah. And I was doing a, a, a school course for the military. And I got one day off. And I thought, I'm going to go climb that mountain. And I thought, well, this should be easy. It should be a three-hour hike to the summit. It should be a quick turnaround, two hours down, five hours of my day. I should have the afternoon to just relax, um, take my shoes off, and and just allow everything to happen, right? So I get into this hike. I get into this hike, and, and I don't really have an understanding of how far I am going. And, and I'm trying to take the quicker trail, and I'm going up this trail, and there's there's over overbrush, just overburden everywhere. The, the trail's hard to follow. I'm going along. I'm about two, two and a half ish hours in, and and I mean I just lose the trail. Like it's just it's just brushy mountain. <laughs> I mean it's behind me, but it was at this moment that I began to think: Is this worth it? Is this worth it? I began to contemplate. If I go off of this trail, I'm going to have to push through brush and thorn bushes and everything that's going to hurt and rip. I'm probably going to rip my clothes. I'm probably going to have scratches all over my body. I'm probably going to trip and fall. The hazard of getting stuck on a stick, the hazard of going down and getting, hitting a tree and all these different things that are going on in my, in my mind. And, and the more effort I put in, I've only brought so much water. And, and then I start thinking, I'm like, you know, I'm two and a half hours in and, and the summit is a lot farther than I expected to be. I had just shaved my head that morning, so when I get out out of the shade, I'm going to have a fried bald head. (laughs) It is going to hurt. Blisters are going to start on my my feet. I'm going to have hot spots, guaranteed. My legs are already hurting. I'm not even close to the top. So I'm going to have pain on the way down and it's going to be excruciating pain. I'm going to want to quit. I'm not going to I'm not going to feel like doing this anymore. And 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 then I began to think, "Man, there really seems to be a lot of cost of climbing this mountain." But then I thought, "But I'll never know what it's like at the top if I don't go." And I looked around and I didn't see any trail in sight and I just looked up and I saw a ridge and I thought, all right, I'm going. And you know, it was in that moment that I wasn't just thinking about that cost, but I was thinking about the cost of the cross. And really, Jesus had to look at every one of those aspects, the pain he was going to go through, the whippings that he was going to take, the blood that he was going to shed. The, the Bible says that he was marred beyond recognition that his appearance was marred more than any man that states in Isaiah 52. Unrecognizable. And he had to know this was coming. And he had to count the cost and the pain that was going to happen. In those moments, you know that hike, I had to earn two and a half hours to go to get to that summit, which I didn't realize at the time. But when I got to the top of that ridge, I saw where I was headed and it was a long ways off and thousands of feet in elevation to go. And I had already made the decision, so I was going. But Jesus saw everything. He saw the pain. He saw the blood. He saw his father's face turning away from him, a place he had never been before, complete darkness falling upon him. The light of the world. And the Father would forsake him because he would carry every sin, every hurt, every burden, every pain that man has ever experienced and will experience. And the weight of all of that and on top of that, then go down to the hottest place in the entire universe with no suntan lotion. And he had to count that cost. And then he did exactly what I did. And he thought, if I don't go, I'll never know. I'll never know if Sam will actually believe in me. I'll never know if he will deny himself and live for me. I'll never know if he would preach my message. I'll never know the miracles or the healings that can happen because of my sacrifice. I'll never know the multitude of people in the throne room of heaven. And he saw that reward, and the cost seemed nothing. Nothing. So I made it, and it hurt really bad. And the way down was horrible, and I had a horrible sunburn on the top of my head. <laughs> but it was worth it. I took pictures. <laughs> it was worth it. Over eight and a half hours, so much for a quick five-hour trip. <laughs> I wanted to give up on the way down. You know, it's interesting. Most mountain climbing deaths happen on the descent. Most actually experience the reward but lose the ability to walk it out and share their experience with others. Maybe you've experienced Christ and you have, you're on your descent. You're coming off the mountain to share it with people and the devil's hitting you right now. And God says you go through that pain because when you come out of that, your story is going to be much greater than you ever imagined, much more than what you saw on the mountaintop. Because not only are you going to have the testimony of what Christ did for you, but you're going to have the testimony of walking through the pain of your life with the life giver by your side. There's there's no lack of hope. No lack of hope. Count the cost. We all have to do that. We all have to do that when it comes to embracing the cross. We have to count the cost. Is this worth it? Is this worth it? I'm going to tell you right now it is. If you've questioned it, you're like, God, I I love you and I want to be around you and I I love worship and experiencing your presence in this place. But I just don't know if I can give you that dark side of my life. I just don't know if I can give up this identity in my life. I just don't know if I can surrender the rest of myself to experience the rest of you. You've got to begin to count that cost. And it's, it's a decision that you have to make, and it's a daily decision. We live a crucified life. Paul talked about that. I die daily to myself. Because only then can I, can I walk in the, in the newness of life in Jesus. There can be no resurrection, if this is all farther we get, there can be no resurrection if there's not first a death. That means you cannot live in Christ if you do not die to yourself. Jesus would have never rose out of the grave had he not died first. He couldn't just go and resurrect while living. There had to be a death. There had to be that. And we cannot live a resurrected life, a new life, right? We just read it in the very first passage. We cannot live a life as a new creature if we're driving that old car. We can't experience a new car in the old car. We have got to die to ourselves. Only then will we experience true resurrection. Resurrection. So today we're going to talk about what resurrection looks like when we embrace the cross. To understand resurrection, we have to understand what the cross is. I'm going to briefly go over this. In John chapter 10, verse 17 through 18, it says this. It says, for this reason, the Father loves me, because I laid down my life so that I may take it again. He already revealed the promise that he was not only going to lay it down, but he was going to take it back. He's going to take it back. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Why is this important? Because Jesus gave his life on his full will. No one could take his life, but he gave it. He counted the cost, and he said, I'm going no matter what, because you are worth it. Because you are worth it. He said, I'm going to do it. I'm laying it down, and I will take it up again. We must understand this, that the death of Jesus was something that was different than any other death. It was a crucified death. And other people have been crucified. So sometimes I think like, Okay, God, well, what was different about your death than all these other people's deaths? They experienced, you know, uh, 39 lashes and, and some of the, the harsh treatment that he experienced. But really, it comes down to the fact that he wasn't carrying a cross up that hill. He was carrying everything that you've ever done wrong, every pain, every thought, every hurt, every, every brokenness. He was carrying the weight of the world, and he was doing it for your freedom, not his And the father would turn. I mean, can you imagine? I feel like the cross was the last thing on his mind to carry up that hill. I feel like he was so beaten and broken. And he was he was sinless. He was pure. He said, he who knew no sin bore all sin for us. And he says, if I can just get all of this up on that hill. I can pay the whole price. I've got it in me. I've got, every, I've got everything that's in me. I've got everything that can pay that whole price. I can do it. And he carried it up for you. Hebrews 2.14 says this. It says, uh, 14 and 15. It says, therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Before Christ, death was it. Death was it. We we still experience natural death. But we're gonna talk about really what resurrected life looks like in the life of embracing the cross. Jesus rendered death powerless. He rendered it powerless. It means it has absolutely no power power over you in acts chapter 2 verse 24 it says god raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power just think about that it was impossible for death to hold christ in its power the power of death had no hold on jesus that is the power of him why i asked this question multiple years ago i said lord why Why did, when you paid for my sins on that cross, if I go to the cross and pay for my sins and I'm judged for everything that I've done, I still die that death. That's the first part. And then I'm condemned to eternal life in hell to die over and 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 over over again. It says the worm eats and keeps on eating and when your flesh comes back, it eats it again. It is not a pretty sight. I said, Lord, why? Why if I pay for my sins, I die the death, I die the judgment of my sin, the first death, and then I experience the second death, eternal life in hell? Why were you able to escape when you held every sin of the world and you paid the judgment? Why were you able to come out of that grave when I could not? And this was a question that I had before the Lord. And it was in a conversation one day that the Lord showed me, just like that. He said, Sin is in you. I put it on me. So he carried it. He took everything, he put it on his shoulders. And he carried the entire weight of the entire world all the way down to the depths of hell. And he shook it off. And he said, there it is. And your judgment, your sin, everything you've ever done is paid for eternally in the depths of hell. But Christ, who is pure, was able to rise because it was not in him. That's the difference the difference and then in Ephesians 1 in Ephesians 1 it says this I pray that the eyes of your heart this is a prayer that Paul is praying he says I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might all in all. Verse 19 talks about, that. I think there's four different Greek words that, that talk about power. Uh, if you want to know about them, ask Tim. I'm... <laughs> He's really good at that. Yes. I'm going to tell you this. It is the greatest demonstration of power that God has ever revealed or done pulling Jesus out of that grave. I was talking to Pastor Matt last night, and he said this. He said, The law was established and written by the finger of God. The worlds, the land, in scripture it says the land was formed by the hand of God. And in Isaiah 53, right before it talks about the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, it says, And let the arm of God be revealed. The power that is in an arm is much more than a hand or a finger. And it's that same power that he has given us. That power that took Jesus out of the grave. He said, look, he he looked over, he took Jesus out, and he looked over, he saw me, he said, Sam, you're coming too, come on, get my arm. And he pulled me out. And he's calling you today. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, John chapter eleven, it says that he called his name, and immediately he was coming. Immediately he was coming. He was coming forth. It said that some preachers say this. It said if he wouldn't have just called his name Lazarus and just said come forth, everything in the grave would have came out. That's the power of God. That is the power of God. That is the power of His resurrection. We must understand that the resurrected life is something that we live now. John chapter 11, I'm gonna go there quick. Mary, I love this verse. I absolutely love this verse. Or Martha. Jesus said that her brother Lazarus will live again. He's still dead in the grave. I'm telling you today that you're gonna live again. You're gonna live a new creature. And some of you are still experiencing death in the grave. You're still experiencing all the hurt, the pain, and everything that's going on. You're like, I don't believe you. Martha said this. She said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She said, in the glory of the kingdom, when the end of the age comes, I know that he will resurrect with a new body and go with you before me. And then Jesus said this. He said, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Not going to be. I am. He didn't even die yet. The Bible says before the foundations of the earth, he'd already been slain. He had already created us, knowing he was going to redeem us. That was counting the cost before the world was even formed. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Death has no power. And everyone who lives believes in me Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he says, Do you believe this? I want to ask you this morning, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And his life is a life that can be lived. It truly is. And so I, I this is me. I'm sitting where you are and I'm going, what does that mean? What do you mean? This is a life that can be lived. I I don't seem to be able to live this life. My response to you is, have you died yet? Have you died yet? Are you embracing the cross? A lot of us want to live in Christ, but we do not want to die. A lot of us want to be on top of a mountain, but we do not want to go through the pain to get there. Have you died yet? 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 18 says, For Christ died, not died, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Is the cross foolish to you? The world sees the sacrifice of one man to save the entire world and they look at it as foolishness. Why would somebody give up themselves? Why would somebody lay themselves down? Why would somebody give up their desires? Why would the king, this is really where it gets crazy, why would the king of the universe step off of his throne to save peasants and slaves and servants? Why would the king step out of his kingdom and walk down that dark alley and reach behind the dumpster and grab me? Why would that king take away my pain? Why would that king feel my pain for me? Why would he do that? Because I wouldn't. It's foolishness. Foolishness to the world. But for us that have believed and experienced him, it is the powerful arm of God. It is not the death that we are worrying about or focusing on. It is the life that we live through the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. There's so much in the resurrection of Jesus. I skipped half of my notes. Because God had his own idea. Hallelujah. He's calling you. Let's just all stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. There's so many of us that just don't know how to embrace the cross. There's so many of us that don't know how to die to ourselves. So many of us that, when pressed, will run to what we used to do or used to know. It's simple. The decision every one of us has the power to do it you decided to eat breakfast today or not it's that simple death is not an easy thing but when life is promised on the other side it's the only thing no other religion as resurrection in a moment I'm going to pray I and mean, if everybody close their eyes you can go ahead and close your eyes now some of us are just a lot more comfortable with our eyes closed hallelujah and God I just want you to, to, to imagine to visualize yourself before the throne room of God Even you online, just visualize yourself before the throne room of God. And you know you. You know the pain. You know the struggle. You know everything you've been through. You know every bad decision. You know every good decision. You know where you come from. And there's you standing before the throne room of God In white robes that are so dirty you can't find a white spot on it. And that's your sin. And you're covered. And you're about to be judged. And you're dirty. You're dirty. There's no going around it. Every one of us is dirty. and you know you're not fit for the kingdom of God and you step forward because you have to there is no decision and the fear of what the creator of the world is going to say to you in that moment overwhelms you and as you step forward Jesus steps in front of you and he's there Stay there right now. Jesus in front of you, stepping in right now. Right now, he's right there and he says, I will take your judgment. Let this one in. I have clean robes for them. I'll take their dirty ones. I will clothe them. I will wash them. I will cleanse them. They will be righteous. That's what Jesus did for you. If you're in this place and you've never acknowledged Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, I just want you to slip up your hand right now. And you want Jesus to step in front of you. Just slip it up right now. Thank you, Lord. That's your acknowledgement that God is important in your life and that he is something that you desire, that you would be a place where he could reside. And I want you to begin to, to, to recite a prayer that I say after me, okay? And everybody can repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, come right now into my life. Wash me. I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. Cleanse me. I surrender my ways. And I take up your ways. I'm getting rid of the old car. And I'm driving the new. Thank you for your resurrection. I live now in you jesus name and they all said amen i feel like the life of a resurrected believer is a lot different than the life of a dying believer let's worship him in resurrection hallelujah because he was enough for you in jesus name